My name is John Elmore. I have a new life in Christ and I'm recovering from alcoholism, fear of man, and this past week, I would say negativity. Everyone, welcome to Regen. Um, so good to just sit, frankly, to be on the front row and hear all of you singing praises to the Lord. That is a gift. Um, we're continuing on, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we're continuing on in our little intro series of crap theology, things that have crept into the church through folk theology and just phrases um, that sound nice, sound true, but actually aren't. And so this week's crap theology, and we've got a little thing there on the screen for you, is God helps those who help themselves. Anybody heard this? Anybody said it? Don't raise your hand. We'll condemn you. Just kidding. We won't. You're here because... We all need it. This gets said so much, right? God helps those who help themselves. It's this like, hey, when God starts to see effort on your end, that's when he's gonna, he's gonna put the gas behind you. He's gonna help. He'll get you going, but you gotta go first. You gotta help out and, and put some contribution, put some effort, a little bit of manpower behind this, and then God will see that and he'll respond and give effort to it. Here's the truth. This is a phrase that has come to us through Greek philosophers. That's, that's the original. That's where it came from. It's, it's not found in the Bible, although Barna did a poll, and 75% of American teens, 75% of American teens believe that this is the core, central message of the Bible, that God helps those who help themselves. And 68% of born-again believers believe that this is spiritually based in truth. And then also through this poll, it revealed that we believe collectively as a people, we believe that this is actually one of the 10 commandments. God helps those who help themselves. And I'm like, dude, it's not even a command. It's like a phrase. There's no command there. It's not even a suggestion. And here's what I know to be true. Is that God doesn't help those who can't help themselves. That's, that's the truth. He helps those who can't help themselves, rather. You can't. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what's true. What's, what's not true is that he helps those who help themselves. No one can help themselves. We are altogether incapable of helping ourselves. Ephesians 2, the Travis just referenced. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, it says we are dead in our sins and trespasses. A dead person can do nothing. We are spiritually dead apart from Christ. Now you could argue and say, well, yes, yes. That phrase though is for after you trust in Christ, then, then comes the God helps those who help themselves. It's not the case. In Acts 17, it says, in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Jesus says in John 15, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It says that we have been given spiritual gifts and that those are the ways by which we are able to even minister. And even the gift of faith that has been apportioned to us is the way by which we use those gifts. Romans 7 says, for I know the good I ought to do and cannot do it. It says in Galatians 5 that the flesh, which is our default setting every single day, the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another so that you do not do what you want to do. It says that every good and perfect gift in James comes from the Father of heavenly lights. 
everything we have. Your bre- Colossians chapter one, it says that Christ holds all things together. Like every single bit of goodness in your life, anything good you have ever done is all from God and him just moving through you, sustaining you, him rescuing you from sin and Satan and death and pouring out his grace upon you. It's all a gift from God. And instead of us being offended by that, of the God helps, the, God helps those who help themselves, instead it's like, dude, it's sheer relief. Sheer relief that I can do nothing. It's all him. And so rather than me being dependent upon myself, like, well, I've got to effort and do something and then God's going to back me. It's like, no, I live in soul dependency upon him. So my kids, you know, rounding up seven, five, and three, I mean, here's a snapshot of my weekend. Dad, make me macaroni and cheese. Dad, get me water. Dad, get me milk. Dad, get me a bowl of cereal, which he didn't even eat. So I told him, you don't get cereal anymore because he just got dumped out this twice this weekend. Judd wanted cereal and he just looks at it and then he says, ask for something else. I'm like, boy. Um, Dad, come wipe my bottom. Talk about crap theology. I'm like, if you're old enough to speak, you're old enough to wipe. But they're, they're helpless. It's not true, actually. They, they need that. I, I bathe them. Even just my oldest, I'm like, hey, rinse, rinse your head because he had shampoo. You know, I'm, I'm like teaching him to bathe. And even that, I have to like get the, get the soap off his head. They're all together helpless. And it's not like, well, hey, I'll get behind you when I see something. Like they are dependent upon Laura and I for their life. We can't just like, you know, toss them a remote and a credit card and say, we'll see you in a week. CPS would call or they would kill each other or die. None of it would be a good option. It, it, is, it is by me they live and move and have their being. I am their father and they're my children and they're helpless. They're dependent upon me. And I don't shame them for that. It's beautiful. Now, here's where it breaks down. They're, they're physical. They're, if I'm still wiping that kid's butt when he's 25, I've got problems. Like, I'll be in region then for, for that, that issue. Uh, and he will be too. That would be a physical problem. They're going to grow up physically. But this is a spiritual thing. We are spiritually dependent upon God and we never outgrow that. And so when the apostle John writes to the church, his closing words are dear children. Wait, who are you calling child? John, I'm a faithful follower of Christ. Don't call me child. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. All throughout the scriptures, we're we're, we're children. We never lose that. He's always father. We're always children, sons and daughters. And yes, we are to grow up into the maturity of Christ spiritually. But as we are conformed more into the image of Christ, it's not like we become like, ah, hey, now I'm more like Christ. I don't need you anymore. Frankly, as you draw more near to God, you realize the holiness of God and the sinfulness of sin. You're like, I am altogether incapable. Be holy as you are holy. I'm now keenly aware of my sinfulness. I used to think like once I got alcoholism out of the way, I'd be like, dude, I'm actually a pretty good dude. Once alcoholism was out of the way, that was just my pacifier. I realized how foul and wretched I am. More and more, I see like my depravity before the Lord. 
I'm not, I'm not outgrowing that. Like, ah, I don't need you, God. It's, it's a daily desperation as a child. But here's the thing. We will be tempted to that. The Galatians were. In Galatians chapter three, verses two and three, some of the strongest words of the New Testament, Paul writes and says, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? These were Jews who had trusted in Christ for salvation. We believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. He is the Savior who died on the cross, was raised from the dead. Whoever believes in him will not perish. Cross over from death to life, yes. And as a result, we're gonna follow all your rules. And Paul was like, as a Jew, Paul was like, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? Let me ask you one question. Did you come to faith by hearing or by following the law? And the answer was clearly like, oh, by hearing. Like we heard about Jesus. That's how we came to faith. That's how we received the spirit. We're born again. And he says, will you now be perfected or completed or sanctified, shaped into the image of Christ? Walk out the rest of your life, the sanctification from the cradle to the grave until you're glorified. Are you gonna do that? By now following rules? No, this began as a work of the Spirit. It will continue as a work of the Spirit. You were helpless then. You're still helpless. You're in daily dependency upon the Lord. You can't do it. He can, and that's great news. That's really good news. That God is the one who will do it. And, and, and lest you're arguing in your mind like, what, so I just like sit on the couch and eat popcorn and wait for God? to just change me? Is that what you're telling me? That I don't have any part in this? Your part, like my kids, their part is to holler out, dad, I'm hungry. Dad, Judd's stuck in the tree fort. Dad, Penny fell off the trampoline. Dad, like all their needs to come to me. And in the same way, that's what we do. Our job is now not to follow rules. We don't just sit and do nothing. We follow him. It's not rules, it's a relationship. And so God helps those who help themselves. Forget that, we were helpless then, we're helpless now. The answer is just to follow daily. Step one, admit you're powerless over sin. Step seven, follow all day, every day and find freedom. That's where freedom is found. I don't know what brought you through the doors tonight, but that is your answer. Jesus will set you free and he will keep you free. And God's not looking for you to work. He's looking for you to live and worship with him and just walk home with the father. That's it. That's your job. Walk home with your father. Always be a child, dependent, and you will find life.